Hey, Gabriel. Yes, Daniel. You know what the Dybbuk and the empty cave in your behind your face is trying to tell me? What? Hit the theme music. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. See, you were wondering, hey, what about this book am I going to like make into like a fun thing? Mm-hmm. You were like, what could it possibly be? You went for the Dybbuk. I went for the Dybbuk. Mm-hmm. Welcome to our list. Sorry. Daniel's <laughs> all about that Jewish folklore. I'm all about that thing that I've heard it before. From the Coen brothers. From the Coen brothers, yeah. When you hear, like, it, it's like one of those things where, like, you hear about Dybbuk then, and, like, after this, like, you hear the name, like, Dybbuk pop up everywhere. Yeah, there was a, that Jeffrey Dean Morgan movie about the Dybbuk. Uh, the Boxer y- or something. Y- yeah. It wasn't the Box. Extremely generic horror title. Something like that. It was, like, yeah, peak, like, 20... 2010 horror or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Welcome, dear listener readers. Hello, everyone. To Slow Readers, your weekly fast-paced literature podcast. Brought to you by books. Brought to you by reading. Brought to you by the written word. Brought to you by ships. Brought to you by famous last books before people die. Brought to you by parts of ships. Parts of, well, it's the, yeah, what like one of the upper tiers and whatnot of, uh, in like a 27 mask kind of ship. Sure, bro. And uh, this is a show about books. A show about, yeah, Gabriel. Um, life, <laughs> poetry. You seem really caught off guard when I said that. Yeah, a little bit. I'm like, we're doing, we're back to this? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this is the show. Gabriel, uh-huh. you like to say this. I'll say it this time. Okay, okay. This is the only, only, we swear one, to fucking God. One and only. One and only explicit book club podcast. Very true. We say things like, fuck. We say other words like, Dick. And we say this other word, which is <laughs> ass. <laughs> I pushed you that way the whole time. That's fine. Books. Uh, and Gabriel, mm-hmm. I just want to also tell the listeners out there that basically at this point, if you like this tomfoolery, mm-hmm. this fuckery. Yeah, this uh, goofery. All this, this bullshit, jiggery pokery. This bullshit. Uh, we just want you to do one little thing. It's a little thing called subscribe. You need to hit that subscribe yeah. button. And then, like, leave uh, some nice reviews and everything, like, because we like that. And we like reviews, which I'll get to later on. But, Gabriel! Oh, my. I just have something to say. Uh-huh. Who and what are you? Um, Ladies and gentlemen, hello. My name is Gabe Mara. I'm a comedian. I'm, every now and again, I'm a writer and a podcast producer. And um, uh, I drive one of them big old Lexuses delivering wine and spirits to all the good little boys in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Lexus? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Where'd you, where'd, who'd you fuck to get that one? Myself. Nice. <laughs> Would have been funnier if you said your boss, because I think it's your boss's car. <laughs> yeah, no, he's um, he's our age. And you didn't fuck him? No, believe it or not. I thought so. <laughs> I'll get there, buddy. Gabriel? I spent a lot of time in that wine room. <laughs> yeah, true. Gabriel, I am Daniel Gonzalez, mm-hmm. uh, an audio- Nobody pro- asked you. An audio producer, editor, a writer, and a novelist. A fiction- Of note! Oh, yeah. What did I say? A writer of fiction? You said a novelist of fiction. Yeah, I, but th- this time I said novelist. Do I usually say writer of fiction? You say a writer of, an, a writer of fiction? Mm, all right. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right. Author of fiction? Author of fiction? I think, I think I do say writer Is that of fiction. A... I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. It's all a thing. We're all we're all evolving. We're all we're all we're all rolling. Everything's uh, changing. Everything's changing. Lady Lazarus. Everything has changed. Mm-hmm. And Gabriel? Yep. Tech. Oh, technically, this is a continuation of one of our favorite subseries yes sir called stranded which uh, we're going through all of the 80 stupid fucking uh-huh. books in the stupid fucking stranded list yep. which you know it's not the book's fault no uh, it's not not most of them it's not even the strand's fault which is presumably new york city's i think like oldest and biggest and like most famous bookstore yeah one of the most famous bookstores in the world beautiful place no it's the fault of its 
fucking goddamn online community. <laughs> yeah. See, uh, I, don't, I wonder, when did this list, like, when was this list first made? Uh, you would know. I don't know. I never I heard of this know. thing. You're the one who's like, Strand 80. I'm like, Ugh. I don't know. I spent a lot of time with the Strand. Yeah, you know, yeah. Looking at the Strand 80, apparently. Yeah, it's always a big pile in there. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel. Yes, Daniel. So, um, this is one of the things. I, I, th- I believe, memory serves me right, is that, uh, we said that we used to, for Stranded, we used to, like, roll your big 80-sided die. My giant 80-sided die. giant 80-sided die. And we would actually go through, like, whatever book uh, on the Strand 80 list. Yeah. And, and that led to some uh, some problems. Uh, some problems. Some great moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... Some great moments in podcasting. Well, oddly enough, I think a lot of... Most of the books that we landed on, we really liked, even though they were all extremely large and, like... The like, only you know, one we wanna... didn't like, really, was Gone at the Wind. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think there were a few others I didn't like. I don't remember what they were at this point, but mm. but uh, but no, like and Anna like Karenina. there's a fuck ton of other books that like fuck I would be like ton. I can't wait to land on like I want to read Cat uh, 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 Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, Catcher in the Rye. Yep. We did that one already. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to Kill a Mockingbird, which yeah. I haven't read since school. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all these other books, and I had like this beautiful, beautiful mass paperback copy. Of a little book called The Bell Jar. Where'd you buy it from, Daniel? Uh, I believe Iliad. The Iliad Bookshop. Yeah, right? I did. I, mean, I, I think so. I, I think I so. Uh, the Iliad Bookshop, like this gorgeous, like from the 70s. This it's is, beautiful. It, it, it's it's, it's like the classic Bell Jar edition that if mm-hmm. you've seen a copy of the Bell Jar, this is probably the one. Yeah. Although I'm used I'm used to the one, the one that's like, like magenta and turquoise. That's like the women's, the woman's feet. And uh, it says Bell Jar, and it's fancy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Actually, I don't. Yeah, That's the only edition I'm really familiar with. Oh, I think I know. What, like, it's like yeah, it's like dark the, blue and magenta. Yeah, the trade paperback that basically had been like the one that's been yeah. around for like. I don't. I, I had a copy of this exact um edition. It, oh, yeah? it got torn to hell. Mass paperback as well. Yeah, that okay. exact one. All right, cool. Yeah, uh, and and I've been like, man, one of these days we're gonna land on the Bell Jar because I want to read it. Mm-hmm. We never fucking do it. Yep. And since we got tired of that shit. We got tired of rolling our die and landing on like another 600 page novel. Like, so we decided just, um, just go yeah. for it and pick our own. <laughs> also, the, just because the, the, and there is stuff like that you actually do want to read, but they're always long. like, we landed on uh, the Crime and Punishment. Yeah. A book I've never read. Mm-hmm. And I Me want neither. to read it, but like, I'm sick of reading. <laughs> yeah. Fucking another 600 page 19th century it's literature fine. that are, they're super long. So like, I was like, you know what? I want to, we want to pick what we want to do. Last mm-hmm. time I think you you got to pick and it was it was Pride and Prejudice, right? B and P, baby. Yeah. And this time I got to pick and I got to pick fucking this this one. Read more women. This John. Read more women. I gave you the choice. It was uh it was the Bell Jar and then something else. I forgot what the other one was. I forget but, the other one was too. But they were both they both would have been cool. But yeah, I was like, which one do you want to read over these? You pick Bell Jar. So I'm reading Bell Jar. Yeah. I got to read Beljar. Yay! Gabriel! Daniel, your dreams have come true. Yay. What are you going to do? Fucking finally. Jesus Christ. Stupid Strand 80 list. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Gabriel! Yes, Daniel. I believe you did a little bit of research on a little woman um, named S- Sylvia, named uh, Amy March. Named no, Victoria Lucas. Uh, Victoria Lucas, a.k.a. Sylvia Plath. Yeah. <laughs> and by that, I mean I definitely copied and pasted relevant passages from the Wikipedia. Damn straight, girl. Alrighty. So, Sylvia Plath, born October 20. 7th, 1932, in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, Her mom was second generation Austrian, and her father was from Germany. He was an entomologist and a professor of biology at Boston University. He wrote a book about bumblebees, which is fun. Really into bugs. Yeah. Also, interestingly enough, Ted Hughes became a beekeeper later on in life, so a lot of uh, kind of curious imagery. Ted Hughes, uh, her her husband. husband, Yes. Yes. 
So, eight-year-old Plath published her first poem in the Boston Herald's children's section and went on to publish many more poems in, in and around that area. Little and fucking overachiever. Interestingly <laughs> enough, she also won an award for painting in 1947 oh, at nice. the tender age of 15 yeah, or 14. She apparently was an illustrator, according yeah, to the she was a She was a go-getter. She was really ambitious. She was very, like, you know, all about her studies and everything. And she supposedly, um, according to resources i suppose she had an iq of around 160 she was a genius dog oh man mm-hmm. she's she's so fucking she's so smart fucking it's like cool, god dude. damn it she's a boss what a, yeah okay. yep Otto plath her father died on november 5th 1940 a week and a half after Plath's eighth birthday mm-hmm. he died of a um let's see let's see here complications following the amputation of a foot due to untreated diabetes oh that's not complicated yeah okay. well no the word complicated was there well he had become <laughs> ill after a close friend of his died of lung cancer so Otto was convinced he had lung cancer uh-huh. and then ignored and then like didn't seek any treatment at all until um, the diabetes had gone too far then he died okay yeah so Plath you know she was raised as Unitarian mm-hmm. the best church and uh, she lost basically all of her faith after her father died, mm-hmm. reasonably so. And he said that he, she was how old, like nine or something like that? Yeah, she was eight. Eight, okay. So um, uh, she attended Smith College, you know, private women's liberal arts college. And after her third year, she was um, awarded a coveted position as a guest editor slash intern at Mademoiselle Magazine uh-huh. in New York City. Oh. Doesn't this sound a little familiar? I think it, I think I knew this was going to be familiar. This yeah, is okay. exactly <laughs> the plot of uh, Sex in the City. Sex in the City. You know it. She's, Cosmos. What's her face? Anne Sophia Robb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Exactly. Um. Uh, at was one point, what was the name of that one? I'm sorry, the, the Carrie one? Diaries. Okay, the Carrie Diaries, aka yeah. Little Carrie Sex Bradshaw City. Diaries. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Anna Rob, the pro at playing young versions of blonde actresses. When did she do it otherwise? Oh, she plays young Reese Witherspoon in the Hulu adaptation of Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ang. Oh, she's in that. Yeah, oh, cool. she does an amazing young Reese Witherspoon impression. I like, like that. It's so good. I, I keep forgetting all like I yeah whatever. I also, the young the young woman they cast as young Carrie Washington. Amazing job of copying Carrie Washington. <laughs> that was a good time. That's a good show. I like that. It's very hard to watch. Very hard to watch. Celeste. Anyway, so she was um. Here's a fun little story. Yeah. She was furious at not being at a meeting the editor had arranged with Dylan Thomas, one of her absolute favorite writers. Okay. She loved them supposedly more than life itself. <laughs> um, so she hung around the White Horse Tavern at Chelsea Hotel for days, two days, hoping to meet him, but he was already on his way home. A week, few weeks later, she slashed her legs to see if she had enough quote-unquote courage to kill herself. During this time, she was also refused admission to the Harvard Writing Seminar. Uh-huh. Yep. And then so she, uh, following electroconvulsive therapy for depression, she made her first <clears throat> medically documented suicide attempt on August 24th, 1953, by crawling under her house and taking her mother's sleeping pills. Uh-huh. Yeah, she survived, obviously. Yes. Her recovery and her scholarship were oh. paid for by Olive Higgins Prouty. Prouty? Um, uh, she is um, the woman who wrote Stella Dallas, a wonderful melodrama, mm-hmm. and um, Now Voyager, which is just a famous book about analysis, I think. Okay. I'm not sure. Anyway, Plath won a Fulbright College, and she studied in Cambridge at Newnham College. Mm. And there in London, she met Ted Hughes, the poet. She said, quote... I'd read some of Ted's poems in this magazine, and I was very impressed, and I wanted to meet him. I went to this little celebration, and that's actually where we met. Then we saw a great deal of each other. Ted came back to Cambridge, and suddenly we found ourselves getting married a few months later. We kept writing poems to each other. Then it just grew out of that, I guess. The feeling that we both were writing so much, and having such a fine time doing it, we decided that this should keep on. So clearly, that was a whirlwind romance. Uh Uh-huh. 
1957, the Plath and Hughes pair moved to the U.S., where she taught at Smith College again, mm-hmm. though she found it difficult to teach and write at the same time. She eventually moved to Boston, where they well, they moved to Boston, where she became a receptionist at the psych unit at Mass General Hospital, mm-hmm. which is pretty neat. There, she also sat in on creative writing seminars with the poet Robert Lowell, and she made friends with Anne Sexton, another writer. The two of them encouraged Plath to write from her own personal experiences. Uh-huh. Isn't that pretty neat, bro? It's pretty cool. So, um, the couple moved back to England in December 1959. Their daughter Frida was born, and in October, Plath published The Colossus, her first poetry collection. In February of 1961, Plath's second pregnancy ended in miscarriage. Several poems, including Parliament Hill Fields, addressed the event. In the letter to her therapist, Plath wrote that Hughes beat her two days before the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. In August, she finished her semi-autobiographical novel, The Bell Jar. Mm-hmm. And then the family moved to another place, blah, blah, blah. And her son, Nicholas, was born. Nicholas also would go on to hang himself. Mm-hmm. In June of 1962, Plath attempted suicide once again by intentionally crashing her car into a river. By July of 1962, Plath discovered that Hughes had been having an affair. He was sleeping with the woman and uh, they lauded their, they rented their flat out to a couple. Mm-hmm. And they were a noted couple. I think the girl was a Holocaust survivor or something. Uh-huh. And uh, Ted and her began an affair. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, after Sylvia had died, um, this woman, um, Asia Gutman, which her name was, mm-hmm. she also killed herself by putting her head in an oven. Okay. So, boy, Ted. That's a that's an interesting parallel, in parallel? to a, a character in the book. Which Yeah, presaging the actual events, too. Yeah, I'm assuming not based on... Well, actually, I don't know. No, it, it would have happened afterwards. Or it could have been, of course you know, influenced by, yeah. you know, what I maybe mean. there was a real buddy Willer too. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, the couple Plath and Hugh separated in September in October. Apparently I wrote the year 1062. Okay. Year 1062. Yeah. Plath had a burst of creativity mm-hmm. and she wrote most of the poems she's most famous for in Ariel. In December, 1962, she returned alone to London and her children and they rented a flat. There was one of the coldest winters in a hundred years where everything was frozen, the kids were often sick, and the house had no telephone. Mm-hmm. Naturally, her depression uh, increased. Hmm. Um, her only novel, Bell Jars, published in January 1963 under the pen name Victoria Lucas and was met with, quote, critical indifference. <laughs> and now on to the gory stuff. Uh, January 1963, Plath spoke with um, John Horder, her general practitioner, and a close friend of hers. She, mm-hmm. she described her depressive episode, which had been going on for six or seven months. She had been able to continue working, but she was able to hide most of it by maintaining appearances, even though she was like failing to sleep and lost 20 pounds. Eventually, her antidepressant, a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, um, just apparently she started taking it only a few days before her suicide. Mm-hmm. It must not have had time to set. And uh, Horder took um, a like visited her often, making sure she was still okay, and also arranged, arranged for a live-in nurse. Uh, but yeah, morning of February 11th, 1963, Plath was found with her head in the oven by the nurse. Charles Langridge, also the workman, helped her get in there. It was carbon monoxide um, poisoning. Uh-huh. So yeah, bad times. She was only 30 years old. Yeah, I know. She was, uh, yeah, she's younger than us right now. Yeah, and um, she won a posthumous Pulitzer for her collected poems. That's interesting. So that's the life of Sylvia Plath. 
Yeah, uh, Life of Sylvia Plath. And the funny thing is, uh, describing the uh, what the, the book is about, it's like, well, it's kind of that. Yeah, pretty much. For a, for a good chunk. Uh, before I do that, uh, Gabriel. Yes, Daniel. Um, have you read The Bell Jar before? I have indeed. I read this, I think, um, back in that period of uh, the early two, um, 2010s or so, when I was um, dating that girl, and I went through an entire bookshelf. Uh-huh. So it's been quite a while. It's been like almost 10 years since I've last read this. Okay. Do you remember it well? Um, I remember the details. Okay. Um, I don't remember. Like, honestly, I was getting ready to walk into this episode without finishing the book, considering I'd read it before. But you know, I was sitting at work where it wasn't too busy today, and I just got captivated and read the last hundred sixty pages while sitting at the bar. Yeah, no, I, I actually read the last like uh, in my version, it's like about two hundred pages long. I read the last like hundred twenty pages essentially today. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it pretty well, breezily essentially, which is an odd way to describe this. Fast readers. Um. <laughs> not not true i mean i am i am the slow reader i am not you're you're a liar you're a fake slow reader i'm a fake slow reader yeah, baby. stop playing with the fucking arm yeah stop playing with your fucking pud what you think they're gonna hear this yeah anyway i'm watching you play with it uh gabriel fucking creep so in brief the yeah. bell jar right the so, gel bar so the bell jar is a semi-autobiographical uh story of basically sylvia plath's like like six months of her uh, between the ages of like nineteen and twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, basically at the very beginning. Is it nineteen and twenty? You sure? Yeah, she starts at nineteen, and then at some point she has her birthday, and she's twenty. She's twenty by the end of the book. Mm. When she when she's in the asylum and she has her birthday, she turns twenty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh. So yes. Um. <laughs> uh. In this, she's named uh, Esther Greenwood. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we first, when the book begins, essentially, she's like, uh, she's in her first, like, I don't know, semester or first year. Is it semester? Of, was, of, of school? Of school. No. When she's, well, she, she like, I thought it was like her third year of school or something like that. Yeah, it might be. Or like, so I, I'm like 19, 20? I, I feel like my understanding of like college back then is like weirdly like, like, oh, she's not like, she's not. What is the she? 60s? Or whatever. But again, she's know. like also 19. Mm-hmm. Um, also, because co- college back then meant something different than what it is now. Yeah, I guess uh, so. It's like a little more English. What was drinking age back then? I wonder. <laughs> None. 16. There weren't. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, so we we start with her basically being like a uh, fresh faced uh, uh, student at I don't remember the school name. Fuck, I'm blanking out on this. It was, feels like a million years ago. Yeah. Do you remember? I don't know. Okay. I don't recall. Here, here's the book in case you want to actually look at the. Uh, yeah, the actually, oh, I, I, have a, I have a I have a passage I want. Oh well, well, all right. So I'm, I'll use mine. So. Uh, <laughs> So, um, we start with her and she's like very hopeful. She basically like her one desire is that she wants to be like a poet. Um, and then, but at the same time, whenever anybody asked her, like, what does she want to be? Because like the realistic expectations of her at this time would be like, well, do you want to be someone's like secretary? Do you want to be, yeah. Uh, do you want to learn that? shorthand? Um, and if, but because essentially like, if you want to be more than that, like you're not cutting mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I mean, like, she, it, it, the, book, the book doesn't start with her in, in a great mood, but... She, yeah, she's nor... She's, she's stable. She's, yeah, she's stable enough starting to flag. Yes. So, yeah, uh, she starts she starts in an okay place. Yeah. She's not she's not having the time of her life. As you said, she's supposed to be having the time of her life. Yeah, she's, she's distinctly not having the time of her life, but she hasn't fully begun to crack yet. Yes, and basically, like, well, the... Plain way to describe it is that, like, basically throughout the entire, like, halfway through the book, uh, when she leaves school for, like, summer break, she doesn't get into the uh, writing class that she wanted to get. She mm-hmm. would, she gets told that, like, she, like, you're, like, submit, like, your writing, and then, like, some professor goes, like, yes or no, and mm-hmm. he, she got a no. 
And then basically just being at home with her mom, uh, she has this sudden realization of like not really knowing what, like she doesn't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. And she almost, she very quickly, like all this, this thing that she's kind of been carrying around underneath, like what she was like yeah. in New York and everything, like all of it just kind of comes out and she tries yeah. to kill herself. Yeah. Whatever like poisonous thing was in her mind, like starts blooming full hatch when she gets home. Yeah. She had like essentially like nothing to do, but to like just let it just kind of yeah like, absorb like it like in it, it starts cracking so much more across new york she gets like um almost raped and everything and yeah it, it really like gets real bad before she ends up in back home yeah uh and then ba- and then like the second half of the book basically is her like going and like getting crappy medical treatment mm-hmm. and then getting less crappy medical treatment and um, her kind of going through things. So it's not really like plotty. Uh-huh. I- I'm trying to like be like, well, I'm not going to talk about the details because we'll be here all day. But This is a classic book. Um, one of the things I really like, Gabriel, I don't mm-hmm. know if you if you thought about this, but especially like for the first half of this book, uh, uh, I was really getting like some like Catcher in the Rye kind of vibes. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it, the first what half year of this was book, Catcher? Catcher in the Rye? Oh, fuck. Uh, for 48? Shit. Or is it 50? one oh, fuck i don't need, I need i'll look, look it up you're talking i need to look this up all right you look that mm-hmm. um so yeah it was catcher in the rye and then like basically it has like that and oddly enough catcher in the rye is a book 51 where, 51 okay um catcher in the rye is a book where the story that's being told is holden caulfield uh feeling alienated bumming around new york kind of like delaying like going from an asylum from the thing while in the future he has a breakdown and goes to an asylum mm-hmm. and this oddly enough is like this is a woman who starts in new york and she's like besides like the really the real heavy stuff like for example like a man almost rapes her, um, uh, there's some like there's some like some comedic kind of scenes where like her and a bunch of other like young women are like all like food like poison yeah they like, all poisoned, bad crab meat uh by bad crab bad crab meat there's other there's other moments where she just could like sets up with men and like they all just they're all just they're not Shit. even always bad like the <laughs> one guy was well like the one guy was actually fine he's mm-hmm. not really given like a lot of like personality or anything because like, he's just like an okay dude yeah and then her just like one of the bigger stories is uh is her basically she seems to be like getting over all right let me all right uh-huh so there's this guy like a very main character is it constantine there's a dude named constantine yeah the constantine was like the okay dude who yeah. she just kind of bails on mm-hmm. um but uh, no, there's a guy she's like seemingly kind of getting over named Buddy Willard, mm-hmm. who like I, I think one of the things that kind I, of I think getting over it, it's not a, it's not the right way to say it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, but basically like I, I get the feeling that like if she were to basically be the kind of person that everyone just kind of expect her to be, mm-hmm. she was gonna marry Buddy Willard, just be his wife, and yeah, then just pop like, out a couple times, and then, and then just be like uh, uh yeah, because uh she lives and she's like very like mi- like middle class or something like that where she's like very much just supposed to be also like uh she has a strong I, I, um as plath herself was involved with like like christian women's like writing and like sure. you know like so it's very very strictly moral and everyone is very very focused on like being pure for one another for for mm-hmm. marriage and basically buddy willard confesses that like he slept with like some waitress or something like that at random mm-hmm. which sets esther off uh you know for, like like it, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's her just kind of being so focused on this on like this thing that's being ingrained in her about purity and virginity sure and and then like she 
wants to also just like just throw away her virginity and in, in like a way to like being like well if he's gonna do it i'm just gonna do this but it never yeah. really works out for yeah, her Yeah, for multiple reasons mostly doing to her mental state yeah. and her just inability to what's the word i'm looking for her inability to just overlook any of these things that make a wall for her if any of these men yeah and, and some of them some of them are obviously like there's a good reason why she yeah because the guys are shit some some of the guys are some of the guys are rapists other times it's just because like oh this guy was short (laughs) yeah um so like Mm -hmm. i I do love the fact that esther isn't treated as like uh, a perfect person she's distinctly not a pollyanna cowgirl yeah she's not she's kind of a dick and i love that Mm -hmm. um there are other times she's incredibly human yeah she's incredibly human and uh, and i apparently that i guess this is because it's sylvia plath being very honest about who she is yes hey i dig it which is pretty awesome i actually really dig that but um Mm -hmm. But yeah, so there's that. And like, so I think one of like the bigger stories that's going through here about like the undercurrent of her mental state is also her at the end, just like sleeping with like some random dude. And Irwin. Irwin. Some mm-hmm. like, uh, he's a professor who just like fucks around. Yeah. Um, very, very like, like what, 1950s kind of just like, like Lothario kind of being like, yeah, I fuck all women. That was in like my that. reading of him. I, I don't know. What did you, what did you, my reading was more like, he just seemed like a random dude. And then she's like, but you have all the women. He's like, yeah, sure. I guess I get all the women. Okay. I, I was thinking it was the case. Cause like we, we see, we see like him like talking to another to Olga, o- Olga, like, I don't think yeah. <laughs> she was like a, a love or anything. I think it was just more like, I was assuming that was. Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, maybe I, I read I'm... this much faster than you. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> hey. I read this one pretty fast. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, you want to race? I got that thing. And I thought that was pretty like, like, basically, she was like, so you sleep with a lot of women, huh? And he's just kind of like, yeah, it's a thing. Hmm. Um, well, because I imagine he's just like, like sleazy old school professor dude who's just being like, like, yeah, I fuck. Because that's just, that was the thing back then. That's, sure. That was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Madman. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. but like she just kind of th- yeah she just goes she throws it at him and if it's uh awkward because yeah, she hemorrhages um, she hemorrhages and like yeah and yeah. like yeah and it, so it's kind of like her and also like she does a couple things at the end where she just kind of like reclaims kind of like herself because i think she feels extremely lost about like what she wants what she wants to be mm-hmm. how she wants really hard just to fuck and yeah. she can't yeah, yeah. I, I I guess. I mean, no. I mean, well, I mean, tell me, I guess, because I feel like that's a big thing. Where like, I feel a lot of her strains that she wants to, she wants to have sex, and like various things are just basically. That's not my reading of that at all. What, what is your reading? Our, my reading is more like that. There's a distinct like, like hatred of men isn't quite the right tone. It's not like like um like uh, misandry. Uh, it's it's just, it's just more like that. She can't cope with being a woman in this world because men have all the freedom men are men are get to do whatever they want yeah and as a woman like she i think she rarely says it out in the text but she feels so trapped and she feels like she has no options and sex is just something that's i mean she didn't want to have sex with buddy really she's just kind of well, like yeah no she yeah she didn't want yeah. she don't want to have sex with buddy she wants no. to i think yeah. it was something she just wanted to get rid of she yeah. doesn't like she like she doesn't really a lot of the flashbacks with buddy are all about how she realized how much of a shit he was how much of a hypocrite he was yeah while also being jealous of the fact that he just gets to do whatever the fuck he wants yeah so i i don't think horniness is 
any element of Esther's story. Yeah, I, I don't know about... I don't want to say, like, horniness, or although a, I'm a, sure... A desire for sex, I think, isn't an element of the story, other than something to just burn, to be rid of. Alright, well, alright. I still thought that... Her, basically, I looked at it as, like, it's her just trying to lose her virginity and have sex with somebody, and, like, her kind of... She's unable to do it because of all those reasons that you said. <laughs> no, I, I, th- I think I think that the sex thing is almost incidental. I think that the Irwin thing is just kind of popped in there. Most of it is about how she can't cope with the world that she's in, and along with her depression and the state of what it means to be a woman this time. Uh huh. All right. Now, I, the way that I was looking at this is that like so much, some of like the biggest like mental strain you'll have on anybody is basically. Um, oppressing their sexuality mm-hmm. so like one of the ways that my that my kind of reading of this is that like she's someone whose like sexuality is being very 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 much oppressed mm-hmm. she has she was raised thinking that like you got to be pure you have to be you have to be this kind of thing and she has that realization with george in the beginning where like where it's like oh george didn't fucking do it what the fuck like and mm-hmm. he was just like doesn't really care about this so yeah george 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 i'm sorry willard Buddy, buddy, yeah. Where did I get George? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, like, my way of—I was thinking about like this as kind of being like that's that's one thing that uh, always seems to kind of be like a mental yeah. a mental trigger and whatnot. I think but that, that was just my reading. My other it. reading of it is that she feels like an obligation to do it, like mm-hmm. with Doreen. That Doreen is very much the woman who's was going at it and doing it, and. Mm-hmm. Like, and Esther isn't that interested in hooking up with any of the guy's friends. Yeah. And it's not just because she doesn't want them specifically, but also it's a, it's imminent of her actual mental breakdown coming soon. She can't connect. She yeah. can't identify. And she can't in, even enjoy anything. You know, um, when you said Doreen, my mind went to uh, Joan, who Joan. appears at the end. Mm-hmm. And like, I was thinking, you know, that's another connection between this and Catcher in the Rye. Both books have... Uh, a, a close older not older friend as in like they they were familiar with each other mm-hmm. of the same sex who like makes like something that might be interpreted as like a move on the protagonist and the protagonist's reaction is like whoa what are you doing fuck off you know what i mean that there was because like joan does that in this where she might she might or might not have have been like saying things as like a come on to uh to esther mm-hmm. and esther's reaction is being like i think you're ugly actually and then like walks away at the end mm. um and then and there's a scene in catch in the rye where i don't remember his name but there's like that that older the teacher yeah the older teacher who like he, uh holden wakes up and he's like petting his head or something like that yeah yeah i think, I think yeah there, there's a there's a lot of different interpretations of this i feel okay Anyway, about that about that scene. <laughs> oh no, not not of Holden, but okay. with Joan. I'm like, I I guess. Was there what a, what what a, what? <laughs> oh, I think that um, I don't know. I think it was just. I don't think it was a specifically a come on. I think it was just more about um. There is an element of narcissism to Esther. Yeah, and I think that's not necessarily. I think that she just chose to read it that way, if that wasn't her intention. Yeah, I, I, I again, it, like there's a lot of things because we're entirely in her mind that we're not necessarily certain yeah. that those happen or whatever. But in the text, that's kind of what it, we're supposed to kind of understand, I, if I, not. I guess. Okay. But uh, yeah, no, Um, that said, yeah. So like, I don't know. Is there anything I'm really missing about what? No, not really. I mean, like <clears throat> in, in, in extreme brief, the facts are just she goes to New York as part of this newspaper as magazine job yeah. Um, after a series of bad social interactions, including a sexual, an, an almost sexual assault. Yeah. She um, throws all of her clothes off the roof. And just escapes, and she attempts suicide at her mother's house. Gets put in a mental hospital. Gets a uh, bad um, ECT, and then yeah, and 
uh, uh, <laughs> I said in my original thing, it's like she gets bad uh, medical uh, treatment and then less bad. Yeah. I'm not saying it's good because um, Dr. Nolan is better for her. She is, but I don't think there, I don't know if there's any real good version of fucking electric shock therapy. I don't know. I don't I, know. Actually, um, <laughs> ECT is good. It helps people all the time. Does it? Like, is it still practiced today? Yeah. Carrie Fisher was a strong proponent of it. She Carrie, frequently had ECT. Really? Carrie Fisher? Yeah, yeah. She had a book about it. Fuck, that's crazy. Yeah, no. It, it's a strong help for people if, uh, uh, if, oh, um, nah, I'm, I'm sorry, manic depressive disorder. All right. Because usually when I, when you find out that like, oh, here's a person who, who committed suicide and then they're like, well, at some point in their life, they, they were, they were treated to electric shock therapy. And that's always, everyone has always been said that like, that has been a thing. I, I guess it's bad versions of that or whatever. Yeah, no, of course. If you, if you, it's, it's, it's like very dangerous <laughs> and, but you know, but if, if it's done incorrectly, but done correctly, it's a perfectly legitimate medical, um, uh, treatment. All right. Uh, it's still shocking. Brain, whatever. Brains. Actually, I have no idea. To be honest, I have no idea exactly how that thing even works. Oh, I don't know either. Yeah, I just, I, I most of what I know about it is from Carrie Fisher. Yeah, and uh, sh- and yeah, like a lot of us, because again, like all this is shit that Plath herself went through. You get like firsthand descriptions. Like, by the way, this is what it feels like. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fascinating. Yeah, we're like um. Yeah, no. So it's it's interesting. I don't I don't yeah. get what it's even supposed to do well, necessarily. I'm curious what Carrie Fisher said in her goddamn book. Oh, that you know, it it, it like wipes you out a little bit. It's like a um, God. If if this is wrong, then please forgive me. It's like a, a low grade lobotomy that it just kind of like separates you from your thoughts, yeah. that kind of thing. Because you know, like um, it's it's the only thing that helps Esther in the book. That and like being cared for by Dr. Nolan. And like, and like I was about to say before going to this, um, the significance of the term of the title, the bell jar yeah, yeah. is the feeling that Esther feels like she can't write. She can't read. She can't sleep because she feels like she's trapped in a bell jar. The world is just, she's suffocating in this thing. Yeah. And when mm-hmm. she has her first round of good ECT with Dr. Nolan's guidance, mm-hmm. she comes out and interestingly enough, the prose clears up and in is in much more focused right away. I think it's mm-hmm. really great. It's like like flowers for Algernon almost, not to that crazy degree. But she notes that for the first time, it feels like the bell jar is lifted. Yeah, um, and that just reminded me is that like the the style of writing when Esther, because everything's from her perspective, when she starts to like mentally kind of like fall apart a little bit, like mm-hmm. like her, you, we're following her the way that her mind works, and it's like a lot more disorganized. Yeah. Um, uh, it reminds me of something that like Joyce Carol Oates would do, but Joyce Carol Oates is like way more experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, this is there like go big fan. This is more. Uh, she is, however, she has said that like she's not a fan of how uh, Plath <laughs> romanticizes suicide. Yeah, that's good. I I don't know if she necessarily romanticizes it here so much as she's just honestly describing her desire to kill herself when she was going through i don't know i don't like, think it's so much in the bell jar so much as it is in her poetry is it in her poetry that she does yeah. it? okay all right that makes more sense mm-hmm. um, about talking about being very good at dying <laughs> also uh yeah I, I, you might have even said this uh yeah this is her only novel it's her only novel yeah everything else are poems. is poems and i think she had like some prose or something like that no i think it's just this and and uh well i guess i don't know if there's any, a lot of published prose of hers there, I uh, I remember looking up a thing. It was a bit like um, Fires by Raymond Carver, where it was mm-hmm. like it was like it was like short stories, prose, and, and like nonfiction prose, and then poems. Although I don't even remember if it was necessarily short fiction at this point, but something like that. But like this is the only mm-hmm. novel. That's yeah, it. everything else poetry. All right, poetry so, all the way down. Yeah. Okay. So let's 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 <laughs> yeah, let's, we're going let's, a bit let's, long. Yeah, let's get off okay. the text a little bit. 
Um, Daniel, um, yeah, um, do you want to talk about our feelings on it now, or do you want to go to a game first? Yeah, well, actually, well, let's let's go in brief about our feelings. Uh, mm-hmm. Gabriel, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, again, like, you read this, rereading this again, mm-hmm. you read it like a, like, a, like a blam, boom, gunshot. That's what yeah. it is. Um, how did you feel? <laughs> oh, this is fucking harrowing. That, you know, uh, um, my own struggles with depression and, like, you know, et cetera, but I don't want to get into it. Um, it's, it's hard to read this. <laughs> like, it, it's very... You know, like all the thoughts that you spend all day fighting to keep out of your head. And it just like reminds you reading this wonderfully, brilliantly written book that captures it so amazingly. Uh It's like trying to forget you have like a terrible burn and then you're just reading a book about like fucking burn victims. (laughs) It's like, oh, God, awesome. So it's it's this isn't like a like a fucking mood lifter or anything. It's it was hard to read, but. I definitely appreciated it more now, being an older person, mm-hmm. and the language and the writing craft is so wonderful in this, that yeah. now that I have a, not that I really get it still, but now that I have a better appreciation for poetry, I get, I like the writing so much more, mm-hmm. that my only observation I recall, and this isn't even my hazy memory, uh-huh. my only real observation I recall from when I was younger when I read it the first time is that in the first, like, third of the book, when she's still cracking and not breaking yeah um she's um the way she writes she fixates a lot on people's clothing yes. the, the descriptive language of of everything around her is much clearer like you meet someone and she immediately describes her outfit and everything yeah and as her mental state deteriorates it becomes so much more dreamy and there's jumps and logic and everything and i've always appreciated the shift from fixation on details to um uh almost like a stream of consciousness yeah um and it also goes like i don't know it's one of those things where like you can feel where the character's eyes are looking and whatnot mm-hmm. where yeah she meets all these characters in new york and she like as you said like describes the physicalities and then on a moment she'll like notice like the pitch the picture on the doctor's desk yeah as opposed to describing dr. his gordon outfit. yeah dr. dr gordon who was just too fucking handsome <laughs> this fucking guy who every time is like oh yeah i remember that's cool interesting here bite this <laughs> But uh, yeah. Um, what yeah. about you, Daniel? Yeah, uh, this is your first time. First time reading this. Uh, I didn't really know what it was like. I uh, like I knew that it was like about like a young woman in New York. Yeah, I was really curious as to like I not, not to not to cast aspersions on you or anything, <laughs> but the idea of like from what I know about your what the books you read, the idea of you being like I really want to read the Bell Jar. I'm like you. Yeah, why would I not want to read this? I don't know. It doesn't seem uh, up your alley. It's it's an awesome fucking American goddamn book, man. It, it's sure. out of anything. Like reading this, I was like, oh, this reminds me of like Catcher in the Rye. Sure. Catcher in the Rye had a harrowing trip through like the asylum and the medical treatments yeah. and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So no, like uh, Sylvia Life is a fucking awesome writer. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, totally. Like I really, really dig the way she that she writes and everything. Because mm-hmm. again, like um. Also, is this your your first experience with her? Period. Plath. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never read her poetry. Yeah. You um, read Ariel Dog. Uh, have you read Ariel? No, God. <laughs> okay. No. Have you read the Colossus? No. All right. It's I, the only thing I've I've read too. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. So yeah, no. I've been looking forward to this and whatnot. Um, yeah, no. She's like a really awesome writer. I don't want to get on to the fine thing as you described as like or yeah, kind of piggybacking what I said before. It's like no, yeah. This reminds me of like a more clear defined way that like certain other writers write that I've that I've enjoyed as well. But I don't know. She just does it really well, and the fact that. Yeah, again, like these are all first person things. I would, I was enjoy. I would, I would. Is a weird way to describe it. I was like enjoying reading the first half of this book a lot. That mm-hmm. like when the second half hits, you're just like, ay. Because uh, the, the middle stretch of her 
breaking is so hard to being read. very 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 in- intent on like genuinely exploring how to kill herself yeah. like for like, like several chapters yeah and and the thought trains are often like it, it goes into dreams as in reality and just yeah. whatever's really happening uh, like I, you really like join her in like the the complete scattershot way she's perceiving life right now yeah i wasn't too sure when she meets the sailor kid if that yeah. was real or not or i'm not it, sure either like I, I think actually after because after I read it, I went Might to the Wikipedia been. thing and then saying and like it was describing it. No one like there was no mention of it being like fictitious. Yeah, the Wikipedia description of this book is very, very um, bare. Very bare. Yeah, it's eh, simple and straight. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, again, I don't know the better yeah. way to describe this. But um, but like also later on, we like she wonders if like Joan was real. <laughs> yeah <laughs> which like i don't think she i don't think no, that's yeah. a thing it's not yeah. like a, a tyler durden thing or whatever but yeah, like that, that's more of her being like honestly there were times where i thought she was um i invented her but yeah. of course not but, but this is back <laughs> when she's achieved like lucidity again yeah so but like no yeah but uh, i can go on for what no uh she's a really great writer also uh also being someone who was diagnosed a uh, uh, major depressant and whatnot uh, roughly around the same time too mm-hmm. um but like yeah no like in i can like i had like hearing her kind of like uh the way her mind works in the first half of it i found almost enjoyable in like a dark comedy kind of way because sure. like it's relating yeah they're, they're like serial comic episodes they're, in this yeah they they should almost like there are moments i, I lol'd at this book several times sure it, the, in like certain points um and then yeah and then like when it got really heavy i was just like I, it felt like a nightmare <laughs> yeah and uh yeah i'm sure that's on purpose and uh, yeah it did it felt really fucking hard which is what it should be like mm-hmm. um and yeah so but like overall no i, I liked it i would recommend it uh, at the same time it's really hard because like yeah no if if you suffer from depression this is a triggering book man <laughs> yeah it really is it really is mm, not not to make light of that term but it absolutely is yeah uh but that said speaking of making light of that term uh-huh. we need to go on break Aww. uh because we're going a bit long when we come back we don't i don't have a game to play but i have okay. an int- i have a fun john <laughs> all right okay for those of you not aware of that term a john is philadelphia speak for thing, thing thingy <laughs> whatever you're a john i'm a john that's a john this is a john that said see creed go to break all right welcome back hi dear listener readers hello to slow readers that's us america's fast place literature podcast so it's i'm daniel i'm gabe and this is a show oh yeah, yeah. gabriel yep i do not have a game okay but I have a funny tidbit. All right. Gabriel. I have no idea what this could be. We are revisiting an old friend. Okay. An old friend. Can I Can I guess who it is? Ye- yes. You have one guess. One All guess. Right. And if you get it wrong, you get kicked in the nuts it's by a child. Ibrahim. Yes. No. No, it's Johnny No Thumbs. Right, we're going to get a kid in here. No, yes. We're doing Johnny No Thumbs. Johnny No Thumbs. Gabriel. A man who blessed <laughs> our show. One of the first people to ever review this yes. podcast on iTunes with the amazing yes, New what, Yorker-esque review. What was it? Oh, it was, um, um, as per usual, wait, the title of review. Yes. As per usual, ellipsis, body of the review. Mm-hmm. These guys are idiots. Yes. And it, we love that thing. Love Honestly, it. we love it. We, we love encourage it, everybody Johnny. out there to check us out. Gabriel, I just want to say that Johnny Nothams has some new reviews out. He's struck again. You can go to you can go on iTunes, click on Johnny Notham's review on our show. Mm-hmm. Look, look, click it up, and they don't tell you like what show he's reviewing. Sure. Uh, we're assuming, yeah, we're assuming he's a guy. Um, he's a guy. I've I've, I've stalked him. That's right. Uh, so yeah. like listeners, um, as not to take advantage of the situation, once again, please review <laughs> our show because honestly, even if it's a bad one, we're gonna fixate on you. 
This is like the yeah, like we're obsessed with Johnny Nothens. Johnny Nothens is a star of the show. He's like yeah. the third host. <laughs> yeah, and like and people like Kiara who are on our side and yeah. say that whatever. Kiara Kiara Talent, which is like such a fake name. Yeah, know, she's yeah, not a real person. But no, no, like I appreciate you, Kiara. But, but Gabriel, seriously, I'm not even gonna wait anymore, right? Okay, okay, go ahead. So I have some more reviews, and honestly, I'm not even too sure how many of these are new because like wonderful, they go on for a while. All right, so start the new one. Mm-hmm. The title. Sophie needs to go. Oh dear. Four out of five stars. Okay. Body. Okay, I don't know what this means. Old girl, girl with a capital G. Old girl is annoying as heck. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Wow. Oh, were you expecting more? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, some of these are longer, some of them are shorter. Oh boy. This next one's pretty straight. No, so this one's a curveball. Mm-hmm. The headline: Straight men are idiots. One out of five stars. Okay. Body. Whoever told Henry he was funny needs shot. Wow, Johnny. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm guessing he meant straight man as in being the straight man of a bit. He's just a straight man. I don't know. Straight men are idiots. Hmm. All right. Hey, 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 maybe he's reviewing a right wing podcast about like, you know, about straight, hating people. It's called straight men. Yeah. I, I don't know. I Yeah, right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, next one, title, <laughs> title, annoying. Okay. One out of five stars. Uh-huh. Body, annoying as hell. Wow. Johnny, you can do better than that. <laughs> Moving on. Does this one, let me know if this one sounds familiar. Okay. Okay. As per usual, these guys are idiots. Title, actually ours for no longer is listed because <gasps> apparently it's so far in the past at this point. Wow. Title. Mm-hmm. If Robert Evans is so smart, three out of five stars. Body, ellipsis. Why does he mispronounce so many words? Wow. Um, we, we got a real Bosley Crowther here. Real, yeah. Three out of five stars, by the way, so good job. Uh-huh. <laughs> Moving on. I like how those stars, I just feel like they're completely random. Mm-hmm. Next one. Title. Ugh. One out of five stars. <laughs> Great. All right. Body. There is nothing worse than a couple of idiots who are convinced they're smart. Bob, Henry, your morons, just stop. Wow. That one's close to ours. Uh-huh. Ours was more succinct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I enjoy the potential read of ours. I, I like our Well, also, because occasionally Johnny Nothams doesn't write so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, ours is one of the most What, he needs shot? Uh, listen, he he needs shot, right? Yeah, of yeah. liquor. Okay. We don't, we don't advocate violence on the show. Not at all. That's it. Moving on. Title. Mm-hmm. Oof. Okay. <laughs> Two out of five stars. Oh, boy. Body. This guy's cocky tone and penchant for dramatic pauses between nearly every word is insanely irritating. Also, these people's stories are all the same. Snooze fest. Anyone who likes this podcast just doesn't know any better. Poor things. I just wish we knew what he was reviewing. I want to know so bad. Like it, I don't it, know if it makes it better or worse that we don't. Like it just makes me like like I wonder what the hell he's talking about. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So here, here's the thing. I don't know if it's someone... it's like we're reading yeah. like mean like mean scrawled things in a toilet. It's like Re- reading someone's like shitty fucking yeah. journal. Yeah, Jeff sucks dick right there in like in the urinal wall. And it's like okay. It's it's like uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I don't really understand people who leave like people who shout into the void, like, like shitty, like yeah. Those kind of reviews. Where mm-hmm. for example, like this one, like a uh, headline. These guys ellipsis. Uh huh. One out of five stars. Uh huh. Body. 
ellipsis, are idiots. Lots of incorrect information on this podcast. Oh, boy. Like, like I'm trying to think of, like, who, like, feels like being like, you know what, this fucking... Po- Let me bring up the iTunes review. Click, click, click. These guys, mm. one out of five stars. Body, ellipsis, just so you know that there's, like, a, you know... These guys are idiot, you know? Yeah. Get it? Do you get you know, it? Yeah. You know, nothing would bring me more joy than to discover that Johnny No Thumbs is, like, a professor of, like, of like media and, like, audio production at, like, I don't know, like, Bryn Mawr or something. <laughs> that it's actually Ira Glass. It's like a Steve Albania podcast. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, you're you're Brian Eno. You're, you're allowed to just walk around talking shit on people. Yeah, do you... Th- I, 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 I'm curious, but, like, but let's be honest, he's not. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. I mean, this is just the hazards of making something, and also, we, we like... We, we like reviews we need reviews yeah no i love reviews but uh and this is like the one time where i'm focused on one person who does these kind of things and it's mm-hmm. like guys check this out yeah it's fucking weird right mm-hmm. all right one I more reach out to him. i think there's more oh, I, I don't even know how much of these are because like oh, for, how many are, are they dated yeah they are have a bunch of them come in during quarantine no only one of them was actually really recent oh wow the, the first one well, for example, I don't even know if we read this one. I'm going to read this fast. This one's from July 16th from last year. Mm-hmm. Narration is bizarre in tone. Two out of five stars. All of the park. Oh, it's about podcasts. All the podcast podcasts seem to be narrated by people who speak if uh, as if they're recording an audiobook for children. It's really strange. Uh-huh. I like how some of them are so like lucid and, and yeah. like succinct. And another them will be like, these guys need shot. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I promise you. If you want, if you write a subscription, write a review of our show and a subscription, yeah, and a subscribe to our show and um, put in like hashtag um, Johnny No Thumbs, I will personally print and bind you a little booklet <laughs> called the Collected Reviews of Johnny No Thumbs. And it's just these, just like just like the Kim Kardashian Instagram book. I'm gonna yeah. do that, but for Johnny No Thumbs reviews. That was a thing. All right, last one. I just want to read the one. I'm gonna do a series of paintings of it. Even better. Series of, do it like painting it. <gasps> Do you like interpretive paintings of these, man? Yeah, I'll oh, do it. That'd be so fucking cool. I like painting. Right. So July 11th from last year. Okay. So, mm-hmm. ellipsis, one out of five stars. Oh, one. no. This one's also long. If you don't know what you're talking about, do some research before you run your mouths. You can't read a headline and assume you understand complex subjects. Stick to UK crimes, as you both seem baffled by other countries. And the condescending attitude towards America and uh towards America and Americans is in, is in direct opposition with your clear obsessions with American pop culture. Also, Hannah's the bigger idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, here's a serious question. Okay. Who would Johnny No Thumbs have to be, in all seriousness, who would he have to be in real life for you to be like, oh, okay, this guy actually knows what he's talking about? Oh, none at all. Nobody? <laughs> no. Like, I'm trying to think, like, like you're trying to say, like, oh, what if he's actually, like, a creative person? No, it's I would like, love it if he was. He, he, there's no way you're a creative person and you're this, you're this flat out being like, these fucking idiots don't know what we're talking uh-huh. about. Because, like, like, it's like, it like Chris Hitchens. Like, uh, like, seriously, like, creating things kind of gives you, like, this kind of sense about, like, like, you have an appreciation that, like, you know, people try hard. You can kind of, like, laugh at them a little bit, but, mm-hmm. like, it's another thing to just be like, I'm gonna leave a re- what the fuck is that? It's a dog Dougie. in the house. A dog in the walls. It's another thing to like leave a review on iTunes, being like fucking assholes. Like that's not Daniel, a creative person. I think you and I should make um a version of Ratatouille all about Johnny No Thumbs. Oh, it's about podcasting it's, it's, and yeah, Johnny No Thumbs. It's us. It's us. Yeah. We're we're the, or we just have a rat who makes a podcast uh-huh. and Johnny No Thumbs like has a fucking brain explosion. It sends him back to the very first time he heard fucking, I don't know, George Burns on the radio. 
That's a that's a climax. Yeah, I dig that. No, he's yeah. like, oh my god! The first time I heard Jack Benny's radio show. The the show is Potatui. There you go. Oh, there he nailed it, Gabriel. Listeners, if you want us to make Potatui, we have a lot of time. Send us money. Let's do it, Gabriel. Uh huh. That's it. I'm sorry, we're going a bit long. Are us? Yeah, we are. Uh, let's go to break. When we come back, we're gonna do final thoughts. Okie dokie. And we're gonna do, and then we're gonna talk about what we're gonna do next. Oh yeah, I'm having more fun. But that's it. Go to break. Ugh. We're back. Hello. To a little show called Slow Readers. Called Rose Leaders. America's Fast Pace Literature Podcast. About books. Talking all about the best coaches to ever play the Rose Bowl. Yes. That's all what we talk about. Rose yeah, Leaders. Fun. Gabriel. Uh-huh. So, um, final thoughts. Uh, there's a little show. How dare you? There's a little, mm-hmm. there's a little thing called, uh, uh, the bell jar. Where, I was going to say, like, where's my book? It's probably uh-huh. a little thing. A little tiny thing. I love this book. Uh. It's and, a very handsome edition. And yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm very happy I got this. Uh, but Gabriel, yeah. Uh, final thoughts about rereading uh, Bell Jar. Do you have anything left to say? Really? Not really. Um, it, this was just um, it, I I hurried through it as a as a twenty one year old apparently because I remember I remember having nothing but fond memories of it. But man, reading it this time was I don't know. Maybe it's a difference between being like like twenty one and not giving a shit and being like I'm gonna read a book about heavy stuff, mm-hmm. and now being a grown ass man in very dark times and being like. Oh my god, this is so painful mm-hmm. that like it's it's maybe you have less triggers when you're 21, but now I'm like, boy, this it it, it rings like like a bell in your mind. All the heavy stuff goes through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the writing is gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. outstanding, and I'm I'm I think I'm actually going to purchase a copy of her poems because from I watched the Crash Course video on her poetry, and a lot of it is wonderful. Oh, I forgot to watch that. Before she had this. that. Um, uh, she has this poem called "The Cut," and um, they go into the, he. Um, John Green reads the thing on the video, and uh-huh. it, it's it's just amazing imagery. Like you know, she's a poet. It's mm-hmm. it's wonderful, and uh, I I recommend it to to everybody. It's one of those books that if you read it, odds are you're going to have more empathy for other human beings, mm-hmm. in a in a strange way. Okay. Daniel, what are your thoughts on the bell jar? Yeah, um, I was looking forward to this and it didn't disappoint. Um, like kind of like reading this and whatnot, and it's, but it's a, you were you you were amazed by that drink, that sip of wine you just took. Oh, the nose changed. Oh, okay. Yeah, your reaction was as if the wine just all of a sudden called, called your mother something dirty. No, and a completely <laughs> okay. different nose change. By the way, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Happy Mother's Day, Gabe. To all your mothers out there. All, all your mothers you out motherfuckers there. Motherfuckers. Who grew up goddamn uh, reading the bell jar because this book is from 63? 63. But it was not published in America until when I get that guy? I'm sorry. 63. 63. Wait, no. I thought it was published in the UK in 63. Oh, good question. I, right. I thought it was 63 in uh, both, both places. Uh, I didn't mean to do... <laughs> I didn't mean to... Uh, to bring this up but uh no um no i i love this um some of my favorite stories are, are stories about depression um yeah. the, the good ones at least uh you know one of my oddly enough one of my favorite movies was a little movie called melancholia mm-hmm. um so i haven't seen it which is done by a filmmaker i do not like but i love that movie yeah lars uh, von trier is kind of a shit yeah, and I do not every anytime I hear those movies uh, hear about those movies, I'm like, those sounds like movies I wouldn't care about. Mm-hmm. But Dancer in the Dark's amazing. Melancholia though is I love that movie so much, and that because like I remember seeing that movie, and I remember being like, wow, that is a great adaptation of what it's like to feel depressed. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so like yeah, like it's it's yeah, it, it, there's like a little bit of just kind of being like yeah yeah I know how that feels yeah, which is fun. <laughs> it's a hoot. Wait, it's uh- it's it's fun until like honestly then it gets 
uh, not to get upsetting, not to get personal or anything like that. But yeah, I don't have suicidal thoughts and everything like that. that uh-huh. Putting it lightly. Sure. Uh, so like reading that, it's just like, it's like, that's like, I'm reading that. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh God, this Oof. is, this is all of a sudden it just, it just turned to turn. Like I was actually, I was thinking actually the entire book was going to be her in New York. Oh no. Um, and no, that wasn't, I'm, I'm surprised when all of a sudden it had that kind of change, but yeah, but no, uh, I'm very happy. I read it. I would recommend it to lots of people out there. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's this passage that I really wanted to read aloud to you. Okay. That um, uh, this is the moment where I'm rereading the book and I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is how I remember it. And then this passage is where I'm like, oh fuck, I really want to read her poetry. Um, uh, bottom of page twenty-two, I think. Um, she's in the bath because she just like she finally helps in the bath because she's starting to, you know, just everything's getting to her. This and, is, this is after. She goes on a double date with Doreen. Yeah, uh, Doreen has like a weird Lenny thing with Lenny, and then yeah. and then uh, uh, she just bails. Yeah, and goes home. Yeah, yeah. Here's the quote. It, this is her saying. I said to myself, Doreen is dissolving. Lenny Shepard is dissolving. Frankie is dissolving. New York is dissolving. They are all dissolving away, and none of them matter anymore. I don't know them. I have never known them, and I am very pure. All that liquor and those sticky kisses I saw and the dirt that settled on my skin on the way back is turning into something pure. And I was just like, fuck, that's good. Yeah. She's a she's a she's a fucking awesome yeah. writer. She's she does a good job. It's very unfortunate. And this is also continuing yeah. Dead at 30. Like, wow. Continuing also a, a trend of authors who produced like their masterpiece like right before dying, mm-hmm. unfortunately. With uh, George Orwell. Yeah. And um I feel like there's other writers I should be like, oh, what about all of them too? I don't remember now. Um, that said, yep. Gabriel, there's a little thing we like to do called Hazy Memories. Hazy Memories. Brought to us by our old buddies at the Whip Round Podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, Shawnee B. Horny. Gabriel, yeah. uh, you might have Hazy Memories already. Uh-huh. Gabriel, when you think about, before rereading this, when somebody mentioned Bell Jar, what is that little thing that pops to your mind? What is your Hazy Memory? I remember... Um, not to immediately mention what I just read again, like the, the dissolving of... I remember very distinctly, like I said earlier, it's that it's it's sharp and it talks about like nitpicks and insane details about clothing mm-hmm. until it, it becomes her her just like it's, it's it's almost impossible to describe how brilliantly written like the middle passages are because it, it's so hard to get through because it's just she's jumping and she can't sleep. She never sleeps and she's losing her mind. Mm-hmm. This reading this, it it's like uh, in Rosemary's Baby. It ha- has one of the very best dream sequences ever shot because it feels like, oh, this is how dreams work. Mm-hmm. And this reads like losing your mind, and yeah. that's the thing I remember the most from it. It's like this the the descent into her madness. Yeah. What about you, Daniel William? Fuck. You know, I, I'm having a hard time with this because I had a hazy. I I was like I, I was gonna be like that's the thing. And now I do not remember it, so it's literally not a hazy memory anymore. <gasps> now I'm just kind of bummed because I'm like, oh fuck, what was it? Is it the image of the bell jar? No, it wasn't so much that, um, and it wasn't so much the uh, the real shocking moment we see when uh, in, in the past when um, Buddy shows uh, Esther all like the like cadavers mm-hmm. and then like all like the the unborn fetuses and jars and such like that. Not anything like that. Oh, uh. One of the most, by Jovi's got it. One of the kind of brilliant things I wanted to say because I love reading uh, in the biography at the end of the book. They have like some descriptions of like her poetry from when she was like like roughly at the age when all this stuff was happening, mm-hmm. and it's like super like like 
for lack of a better ter- way to describe it, like happy and girly. Uh-huh. Like it really is. It's like real joyful and delightful. And then like, and it's kind of amazing that like, oh, this is the person who's about to go through this. Yeah. Um, but I love the description in the book of her going down, uh, skiing down the hill. Yeah. That's and cool. how much that is a brilliant description of probably of like, again, that feels like depression where it's like, oh, she's the kind of person. She feels something joyful. She doesn't zigzag down the mountain. She goes straight the fuck down. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, she's like, that was awesome. Yeah, the I description is wonderful. It's just it's just her going down a hill, describing yes. that. And immediately, she doesn't describe falling. She doesn't describe an impact. She yeah. doesn't describe how it happens. The passage is something like, instantly, I felt the ice grind into my teeth. Yeah. And then like it's like you're doing great until a guy got on your path. And like what guy? What? Yeah, we don't we don't we never know exactly what would actually yeah. happen. We just like, know it happened. But yeah, it's just such great writing. The, yeah, the description the description of that is just like this beautiful kind of like like describing like like that kind of feeling in like a very physical yeah. kind of thing. Fucking and I, I really dig Buddy that. Willard. Every guy in this book is a shit. That's it. Moving on. Uh-huh. We're gonna put this little book aside. Bye, Sylvia. Sylvia. Get better soon. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to, I was trying to, I was also going to be like, like, yeah, dark joke, don't say that. Yeah. Anyway, which is, uh, yeah, it's really sad. She was very talented. Yeah. Gabriel? Yeah. Moving on. You know. What are we going to read next week? Well, Daniel, um, do you have a coin? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. It's a little thing called pick a number between one and ten, and I'm going by odds and evens. Okay. It's okay. I don't have a coin. Sure. We're doing it like that. Okay. But what are the choices here, Gabriel? Um, so it's my pick for a rando selfish one because I think after not selfish necessarily, but um because uh, <laughs> after just be fun and call it selfish. Yeah. I like wait, calling it. Wait, yourself. so listeners, did we roll and land on something before the bell jar? I, I think we rolled twice. I forgot what it was though. I know one of them was crime and punishment, so is that gonna be our next strand pick? Technically, it would be that if we're actually going to go back to doing the ones. Because we, we also discussed that we would drop the strand for the rest of the year and yeah. only do ones we wanted to do. But uh, regardless, what yeah, what, anyway, what, what so do you do? our next funzo read, we're going to do one of two things. We're going to flip a coin because each um each of the picks are book ones of like a five book series. Mm-hmm. So Daniel, yes, we are either reading mm-hmm. Douglas Adams's The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Never heard of it. Or we're going to read Lloyd Alexander's The Book of Three, the first book in the Chronicles of Perdane. Okay. And Gabriel? Mm-hmm. Basically, right now, I flipped a coin. <laughs> so right now, I need you to call heads or tails. Tails? We're doing What Have You Perdine. Okay, The Book of Three. Book of Three. The worst book in the series. The first one. Yes. <laughs> so looking forward to that. No, there is, I love I love the Chronicles of Perdane. We're doing that next book. Gabriel. Okay. Let's hurry this up. Uh, what what things plug? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't done it already, please check out Self-Evident Asian America Stories. It's a cultural heritage documentary podcast, um, and I produced episode three, The Talk We're Supposed to Have. It recently aired on San Francisco Public Radio, and is featured in the AV Club. So please listen to that. It's about my life, and I'm very proud of it. Um, besides that, follow me on Instagram at reed.richards. Oh, I feel like I did something else that I wanted to plug that I don't remember anymore. I don't know how to brag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, give this show a review, and we'll read it on air, or make a whole fucking feature about your reviews. Mm. Yeah, we will. Co-host. Yes, uh, my Instagram is Slow Readers, and also you can find my books on everywhere. You can ebooks, A Cook in the Kingdom, and The Shadow from the Deep. Pop pop. That's it, Gabriel. Uh-huh. The battery has been em- has been on empty for several minutes. Oh my god. Let's end the show. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 
This has been a Top Gallant Radio production, executive produced by Daniel Gonzalez and Gabriel Mara. For more shows and information, go to topgallantradio.com. Thank you.